Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Good morning. It's good to be here. What a time to rejoice, and we will not be quiet, okay? We got a lot of things to say. Um, boy, this week has been an awesome week. Some of you have been able to join us with our global staff on evenings, which has been a great time of sharing. And I will say one of the threads that we've been hearing in all of their stories is God's faithfulness. His faithfulness and their surrender. And that goes for all of us. That is the key to living, holding on to Jesus in each step. Um, today, you'll see there may be a couple people missing that were maybe here the last couple weeks that you've seen in and out. Uh, Peggy is not able to join us today. Uh, they, we've had a little bit of a mini global COVID pandemic. <laughs> um, so Peggy's out today. Um, she's doing okay, but is staying away. And then Timothy also is not here, as well as Joan Heck. So but what I will say is I think the enemy is not happy with what has been happening in our church family and in throughout the world through our global staff, global partners, and his family, his global family. And so that just makes us realize that today is something God wants to move in in every heart that's here, that's joining us online. God is moving, and he wants to speak. You know, last week, Travis ended us, um, well, we were in Acts 8, and one of the statements that was put up that he said was, the kingdom of Jesus is decentralized movements of obedient disciples, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we sit with such people right here. So I'm gonna let them... We're going to get to hear from them a little bit of an overview of what God has been doing in their lives and where they serve. So let's start with you, Brian. Great. Great to be here. We are Brian and Julita Eckhart. We live in England where we drive on the wrong side of the road. We eat fish and chips, but we've not met the queen yet. That's still to come. We've been there 22 years, and we serve at the International Office of Frontiers, we have 1,300 adults with their families, kids, many people, working among Muslims all over the world, bringing light into the darkness to those people. And it's a privilege to serve them. And at the international office, I'm the director of operations. I'm also the risk and crisis manager, so I have the privilege, my team, we help people, anything from if there's a serious illness to someone's been put in prison, to people taken hostage, and those things happen. Julita is the director of internal communications, and she helps um, the whole organization, 1,600 people, help us all stay on the same page through her work. One of the privileges I've had this year has been to help us to celebrate that Frontiers is now 40 years old. It's not very old. <laughs> well, yeah, hooray. <clears throat> and um, our mission, as Brian put it, uh, 
inviting Muslims out of the darkness, but that's the same darkness that, that the Lord brought me out of, that he's brought you out of. We just celebrated, uh, you will shout out your name, Lord, because we were prisoners, now we're accepted. And part of my privilege in my role is to share stories among our community of what God is doing among us and how he has brought prisoners, as, as our members have invited Muslims to follow Jesus along with us. We've had the privilege of seeing God doing what he promised he would do among Somalis in Africa, among um, Sundanese in Indonesia, among the Rohingya, a displaced people in Southeast Asia, among Albanians in Europe, all people who were born into Muslim cultures. But God said, I invite you to follow Jesus. He's for you as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, working in parts of the world where it's risky and a lot of pressures, it's so awesome to hear the stories that you get to share. You know, some of them can be difficult, but to hear people coming to Christ in those parts of the world is just incredible. Thank you. So Vicki and Nelson, can you share what God has been doing for you guys? Thank you. CCTP. That makes it easy for some of us to remember. <laughs> Kingsley, we're going to hop down to you. Can you share what God's been doing in your life? Hey, you all might all remember me from about a year ago standing on this stage. And you commissioned me and sent me out to the country of Slovenia, which I have been living in for the past about a year. It has been a lot of fun. Um, what we're doing is we are just 
going around and praying and asking God to show us to find uh, how to find people who are going to be those insiders and catalysts who can lead Slovenia to Christ. The best person to lead a Slovene to Christ is another Slovene, so we're trying to find those people. Uh, first year has been a lot of fun with language learning, just kind of getting to know what I've gotten myself into, which I have not gotten there yet. But um, I've been able to see God's faithful hand at work even in a short amount of time, and I'm excited to see what happens next. Um, it has been really cool and exciting for me personally to see even in such a dark country of just 2,000 believers, there's probably almost that many uh, in this room or on that camera. Um, but it's been really exciting for me to see some people coming out of the woodworks of this really spiritually dark place who do have interest in Jesus, in the Bible, in God, and it's just our job to find them. And that makes me very excited. Thank you. Kingsley's kind of jumped in and gotten himself involved in a lot of Discovery Bible studies and all kinds of things, so he, it's been great to hear that. Todd and Sarah have been in, involved in ministry in Slovenia for a while, and some changes can you share with us? Good morning. So we've been in Slovenia about 21 years. Uh, it is, uh, Slovenia is just right up the leg of the Italy, up up the egg of Italy to the right, and it is a small country of two million people with a very small Christian population of just 2,000. We are there to encourage the spread of the gospel throughout the country, and by God's guiding, we discovered Primoz Trubar, the reformer from the 1500s of Slovenia, and through translating his works, into modern Slovene, uh, his words are able to share the gospel throughout the country. We're uh, helping uh, train pastors and being better preachers, uh, developing like a study Bible. There's never been a real Slovene study Bible before. Trying to uh, cultivate unity amongst these, these 2,000 believers because we better all be on the same page and know what's the gospel that we're preaching. So, uh, so glad to be here with you. So glad to be from this church. Yeah, thank you. Um, I do want to mention, through the generosity of this church family, many of you have given to the re Ukraine relief, and Todd and Sarah and Kingsley have um, been instrumental in being able to bring some of that help and that aid to those that have been fleeing. So thank you for giving, and it's been great to be able to let them be the hands and feet of delivering that grace and love. So thank you. Um, let's hear from Don and Joan as he shares for both of them. <laughs> yeah, Joan has COVID. I wish she was here. Um, but 31 years ago, we were sent out by this church to Spain, a very unreached and dark country. And so we've been there for 31 years, first with our family, and now Joan and I. And... So in the last few years, we've been in Spain, but we've also been dividing our time here in Modesto, California. Um, our ministry has started focusing on marriages and families. And in the last years, we've been focusing on discipleship and building up 
believers to follow the Lord and let the Holy Spirit truly lead them. Uh, Spain, in, in the last years of COVID, was really shut down. So we've been spending time reconnecting with a lot of our disciples and churches. Um, in doing that, we're trying to keep them growing and following the Lord and encourage them to reach out to others. And we got this last year to spend an incredible week up at the hospitality house on the Camino de Santiago. And it was really incredible to see the miracles that God's still doing in our day all over the world. Here in Canada, in Canada, here in California, where did that come from? Uh, we're beginning to meet with different individuals and couples to disciple them, the next generation. Our real focus is going to continue to be to build up the next generation within the family of God, but also especially within our own family, our own grandkids. We really feel the need to build into that next generation. Uh, and so we'll be heading back to Spain in about a week, just praying that God continues to work and open doors and to meet with those people that we've been working with. And we want to thank you for that privilege of 31 years. Thank you, Don. And since Timothy can't be here, I'm going to just share a little bit about um, what God has been doing in his life. If you were able to catch him on Thursday night, it's pretty great. Um, he has been serving in Cambodia for 29 years. Um, he has been disciple-making and planting churches in villages and all over Cambodia, 32 churches. He has birthed the Khmer Evangelical Association, um, which is a Bible college, and it's for training of pastors. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, uh, what he said the other night, the best part of um, 2022 was, most of you know that uh, he, Yun passed away in um, June of 2021. Timothy was here, and we did a memorial here in August for her on his return back to Cambodia. He shared this story, but basically he was engaged in the 70s, and when Civil War broke out, um, he ended up coming to our country, and there was a, a feeling of loss that, that they both had thought one another had passed away in that um, Civil War. Well, upon returning in uh, 2021, he found out that Soka Kyo had not passed away, and indeed actually had been widowed 10 years prior to that. So through a connection, they got reacquainted, and Timothy and Soko were married on June 18th, a few, just a couple months ago. So as he shared this the other night, he said this was his favorite part about 2022. <laughs> um, I did want to say some of the things coming up for him to be praying for is 100 years 
celebration of the gospel in Cambodia is, is in January of 2023. They have only had the gospel in their country for 99 years going on to 100, and it is a very big celebration, which it's, I would just remark, of the 100 years, Timothy's been there, 29 of that, and the gospel has been spreading. Um, so there's that. Also, he continues to church plant. There is a church, uh, Priya Vihir, if I say it right, is an eighth of a part complete. Still needs, he's asking for prayer for this $4,000 to complete a church. And then also planting a church in Krang Makak Village. Um, and they are praying for funding for that $30,000. They are going to be starting a kindergarten, Cambodian kindergarten to English because what he said is all of the people there would like to learn English, and it is a tool for the gospel to go into homes. So they're going to start teaching children in kindergarten English, and that will be uh, an on-ramp for the gospel. And he was very excited about that. Also to continue to pray, as he believes God has told him five or six more churches up that river, and he's continuing up the river um, to some of these little villages and sharing the gospel. So I wanted to just let you know he is doing well. He's, he just couldn't be here today. He actually doesn't have very severe symptoms, so praise God for that. But his story will be heard. So I wanted to share that. I am going to turn to Vicki. Peggy gave us something to read um, this morning just to give an update. So can you share that? I am honored to share about Peggy Arndt Pyle because she and her late husband trained me for ministry and Phil gave me away at my wedding. So even though we miss her, it's an honor to be able to share her story. Peggy Arndt Pyle this summer is retiring from Reach Global and World Relief. She is so grateful for Cross Point. More than any other church, you have provided support, friendship, and prayer for the 40 years that she has been in cross-cultural ministry. It's been almost seven years since her husband, Phil, lost his life to brain cancer. After his death, she was traveling globally and helping churches be instruments of transformation and development in their communities, helping them to love Jesus by loving their neighbors. You who were here remember the ways that First Baptist Church mobilized to help with the arrival of Southeast Asian refugees in the 1980s, the beginning of America's resettlement program. This was some of the first missions work that Phil and Peggy were able to do right here in Modesto. Toward the end of 2019, Peggy sensed that it, she was being called to teach globally what she needed to put into practice in her own community. She was invited to join the World Relief staff in Spokane, Washington to help train volunteers and to reach out to refugees. And God was gracious, and she met and married Ron Pyle, a wonderful ministry partner who came to Modesto with her, but unfortunately, he was the first one who tested positive for COVID and is watching online today. Our World Relief staff had to work from home more than a year during the pandemic. 2019 and 2020 were also the years with the lowest number of refugee arrivals. As they were slowly able to go back to work in person, their work changed quickly. With the fall of Afghanistan just one year ago, the United States went from this all-time low to the need to resettle 82,000 evacuees. From October to February, their office settled four times as many people as the entire previous year. 
almost 400 new Afghans were found safety, homes, jobs, and education for their children in Spokane. At the same time, churches and organizations just poured out donations and offers to help. It's been a great season of training volunteers and teams to befriend refugees. After building just one volunteer team in 2020, they have built and trained 25 teams to serve Afghan refugees to meet practical needs and to show them the love of Christ. And they expect refugees to continue to arrive. In addition to Afghans, President Biden has opened the doors to 125,000 refugees from around the world. What an opportunity to love our newest neighbors. And of course, World Relief Modesto is a big part of making it happen in your community. She is so glad that God had her at World Relief for such a pivotal time in history, coming full circle in a way. Now, Ron and Peggy are asking God to show them ways to serve him together in their retirement, equipping and encouraging Christian leaders in Spokane and globally. Thank you. So... Peggy answered the call to go to the nations, and now as she's in Spokane, the nations are coming to her. And I just want to acknowledge um, Peggy's quote-unquote retirement is really just a shift of her going will be locally and investing in her family as well. But we have for her, so Peggy, if you're watching, we love you. Um, We'll get this to you, but we have a compass. It has Peggy Arndt Pyle. Spokane on it, and it says, thank you for serving his kingdom, Romans 10, 14, and 15, and it's a compass, so you always know where your home is, and I want to say, it's not Modesto, right? Where's our home? Home, Heaven, that's right, so it's pointing north. (laughs) We'll get that to you, but thank you for your years of service. So... Peggy is going to be joining the ranks of, again, using the word retired very loosely, because I think we get more busy, of Jan Turner. Jan, would you stand? I want to just share that you're here. Thank you for being here. Janet retired last year, and she has been back in Mexico, surprise, surprise, working on revisions, and she, we got her to come out here to join us to be with our global fellowship our global family as they're here and just celebrate together and get to spend that time so thank you for being here and keep up your retirement work okay so we know um we've talked and we know that all of you had a call to go and all of you have had answers to prayers very significantly we know that prayer calls on the almighty god on people's behalf, intercedes for what people are standing in, stands in the gap. So Kingsley, I know you have experienced where prayer has directly impacted your life. Can you share that? Yeah. Uh, As many of you might know, I've actually been going to Slovenia for many years before this past one. And a really fun thing about that is going back each time and seeing the same people. One of those guys, his name is Mart. And I met him many years ago, and, you know, we've been working on him, but have not seen too much spiritual response from him. Um, Just this last year, a good friend of mine gave me a prayer journal, 
And I remember one night I wrote his name in that journal, just, you know, as a kind of a physical way of, of offering it to God. And then I went on my secret Facebook group that many of you are a part of and have faithfully prayed for me on, uh, where I post stuff like that. And, and I asked you all, hey, pray for Mart. We're going to see him this weekend at an airsoft game. <laughs> no better way to share the gospel than to, like, shoot little BBs everywhere. And after that game, he and his girlfriend, they came up to me. You know, we're playing airsoft. We're not talking about anything Bible God related, and he comes up to me and he says, uh, we know that you know stuff about the Bible, like, I guess, and they said, could you help us read it sometime? Like, we don't really have the confidence to do it on our own, and we were wondering if you could help, and I said yes, and it was just so cool. I had written that name in that prayer journal. I had posted on Facebook to ask for prayers, and God answered so thank you for all your prayers over the years for me. Keep it up. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so those of you that get prayer letters or if you follow Facebook and some of our global staff or just friends when people post for prayer, pray. It matters. It makes a difference. And thank you for sharing that. So let's uh, make sure that we recognize the significance of going before the Father. Also, Vicki, you have a a very special situation that you'd like to share. Some of you know that Nelson is from Columbia, and we were doing church planting in Columbia, and we had a home Bible study with two women, a mother and a grandma. And in her home, there, she, they had two sons, two grandsons, and they were both involved, heavily involved in Satan worship. We went into their bedroom. The mother invited us into their bedroom one day, and it was full of voodoo dolls and pictures and other things that they used in their worship of Satan. The son could never stay in a Bible study. He would greet us, and then he would say, I have to go. They tell me I can't stay, and he would leave. Well, the high school team came down with Jeff Harmon several years ago when we were planning this church, and the mom of the grandma asked us if the team would go into the room and pray over the room. I talked with Jeff, and with the team, we agreed that we would go into the room and we would pray together. We had prayed before, Nelson and I, but having a team come down and pray over the room together did an amazing thing. First, the mom and the grandma said that they both experienced a peace and a calm in their home that they had never sensed before. And then after the team left and returned to Modesto, the son was able to stay in a Bible study and listen to the word of God, even though he had his back to us the entire time because he said he couldn't look at the word of God. He could only listen to the word of God. But your prayers and the prayers of the short-term team that came down made a difference. So if you think about short-term teams, do they make a difference? They can make a big difference when people are praying. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I want to share a story that Timothy shared with me. Um, his was about prayer as well. And kind of similarly, he actually showed me a picture of a young man that was tied down and he was demon possessed in one of the villages. And they had had different people praying for him. They called Timothy to come pray for him because, you know, let's call in the big guns. <laughs> so Timothy went in and he said, prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing was happening. They put a word out to have everybody praying, everybody praying. And he said they prayed for two days. And he said, then the demon came out. This man was set free. 
This young man is now one of the leaders in one of the villages, come to Christ, and is leading one of these little church plants. So pretty significant things happen when we call on God Almighty and his warriors. So keep praying. Um, also, amongst us, we all have talked about, like, we're, you're hearing calling the go to the nations. Now, all of you have experienced how God uniquely showed you why you were supposed to go and where and what that looked like. So we want to start with Brian. Can you share how God led you in that? 1980, I was a senior at the University of Northern Iowa. I played football there. I partied there. I actually did quite a bit of studying there. But I had not walked with Christ when I was a senior. But I ended up being invited to a Christmas conference sponsored by Campus Crusade for Christ 41 years ago this past Christmas. I was invited. I've kind of got hoodwinked into attending it. And in the first night, I was on my knees. I got right with God. In that five-day conference, in five or six days, um, there was a heavy emphasis on the nations. And I left from being someone who wasn't walking with Jesus to knowing absolutely that I was called to the nations in five days. It just happened. And I've been on that track ever since. That summer, I did a short term in the Philippines. Then I came back from that, and a few months later, I did a one-year project in East Africa. And then I got more training and got led into career missions. We're all called to reach our neighbors, our communities. We're all called to be involved in reaching the nations. And I had a very special call at that Christmas conference that I was to be a, a, a direct part of reaching the nations. Wow, thank you. Five days, it's time to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Honeycuts, can you share with us how God revealed that to you? I prayed to receive Christ at a camp uh, when I was six, and at the same camp, at the age of 11, I felt the Lord calling me to missions. I grew up here in this church, and let's just say through high school, I was not, I was pretty ashamed of my faith. Uh, some of you prayed for me through when I was 19, got cancer, went through a year of chemo and radiation, and that's when the Lord really showed me life short, what are you going to do with it? And it was a call to missions at that point. But then it was a whole process after that. Uh, we met and started dating, and let's see, what was our first? Oh, I think it was the, uh, we did a Muslim outreach with the Eckharts into uh, downtown L.A. a couple times. And then what, Mexico City? Uh, One time we went to Arizona with uh, Janet Turner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we eventually moved to Albania, lived there for six months, kind of get your feet wet in missions. Uh, we worked with um, uh, international students at JC and Stan State, and through those connections we went to Singapore, Cambodia, China, Turkey, all just, we had our eyes open, where are you going to call us, Lord? And then, oh. Yes, and but none of those seemed like that was where God needed us. But in this process, of course, we're, we're here. I was an intern, a pastoral intern and a missionary intern in the church. Uh, uh, we went through a program uh, Phil Arnton designed called mm -hmm. You Can Change the World or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, very hands-on, so under, under Phil and then later Claude Terry, we were trained. 
And um, finally, actually, it, was, it, was, it wasn't even a call to us. It was a call actually to our church back, back in the day. Uh, hey, what about this country of Slovenia? It's one of those former communist countries. Not much is going on there. Would you guys, as a church, uh, take a look at it? And so we led the first team, and then we eventually moved there. So, Thank you. Um, I love how God reveals things one step at a time. And so you all had, you've had experiences where you, you know, God spoke to you directly. You kind of did some putting your toe in the water going on some short-term trips. And he still continues to unfold where you need to be. Don, what was that like for you? Well, Joan and I received Christ together the same night in 1979. Um, And as young believers, um, we had the privilege here at First Baptist at the time, of a really intense mission week. There were leaders from all over the world that came through Partners International, and we started hearing stories, stories about what God was doing everywhere, incredible stories. And for Joan and I, it was like, wow, God is just doing amazing things all over the world. And then following that, um, there, during that period, there were ICIs, a week-long institute of training pastors. And we lived near the church, so the, these pastors from all over the world came and stayed with us. And as pastors do, they love to share and tell stories. And so we got to hear all their stories of what God was doing in their churches all over the world. And then as we were following along in our faith, all of a sudden, the church, at the end of the services, started giving calls for full-time ministry. And that went on for one, two, three, four, five weeks. And Joan and I never said a word to each other. But after the fifth week, it was like, she looked at me and I looked at her. Are you feeling the same thing? Are you feeling that tugging? Is, is God calling you? Is your... And we both said, yes, for sure. And so then we waited three or four weeks to make sure of the confirmation. And then we went forward and said, Lord, yes, we do want to follow you. And curiously, all of the calls for full-time ministry stopped at that point. (laughs) So all to say, we knew God was calling us. Thank you. Curiously, hmm, isn't that coincidental? No. It's it's just really neat. If you guys get a chance to ask others um, of our global staff their story and how they heard the direct call to go, Scripture says to go and take the word to all nations and how he's communicated it to this group uniquely and personally to each of them. Just very grateful that you can share that. I wanted to end this uh, this part of the, our service with Romans 10, 14, which is also on this compass that we will give to Peggy. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him 
of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So there's a lot of hows in here, right? But the answer is they're sent. God sends his people to carry the mission. And then it says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So the harvest is plenty and the workers are few, as Brian shared in the beginning. Guess what? Here, hundreds of years later, that's still the case. You think of Spain, Slovenia, um, different countries. You think that that might be, oh, that's just, it's all, all flooded with the gospel because we are flooded with the gospel. That's not the case. And I think we know that when we look at our doors on our streets, it's not the case. So I just want to challenge you with those beautiful feet that carry the gospel. And thank you so much for sharing, Global Staff. Wow, glorious day. Today is a glorious day. Um, you know, you heard a lot of our, our global staff share about how they went on short-term trips from here to here to here to here. God continued to unroll his plan for their life through those trips. Well, here this year, we've had the honor and the privilege and the joy of getting to send out at least five trips because we got five people sitting here. One person from each team is going to share briefly just what God did on those trips and it's just amazing how you can just section out this little margin to go somewhere and God has your complete attention, I think is one thing, because sometimes here he doesn't have our complete attention, right? That's right. But he gets us away and he does. So we're going to start with Josh. Tell us where you went, what you did. Awesome. So yeah, my name's Josh and I'm one of the young adults here that got to go to Cambodia um, just a couple weeks ago. And the experience was really, really cool and was really, really powerful. And sort of what we ended up doing is it kind of followed a pattern. So in the morning, we would be in a hotel and we would gather together and we would wait and Timothy or Timothy would have somebody come and pick us up. And we would drive uh, just a number of different distances. Sometimes we'd go out into the middle of nowhere. Sometimes we'd go into the inner city and we would get to meet some people and meet a community and meet a church that Timothy had either planted or helped plant. And we got to meet with kind of the leadership there and some of the people at those churches. And then we got to uh, get to know them a little bit and get to hear some of their stories. And one of the cool things is that all their stories sort of had something in common. And it was that somebody had a question about Jesus or somebody was questioning their faith or was questioning things. And they somehow got connected to Timothy. And instead of Timothy saying, hey, come to my church and only come to my church, he instead planted a church in that community. And one by one, more people in that area would join that church and would multiply into a, into a church. And um, we got to hear those stories and we got to hear the needs that they had as a church and we got to pray with them. And then uh, by that time, we would sort of say goodbye and we would load up into a car and go to the next church. And we did get to do some other stuff. Like we got to uh, play with some kids at a, a school one day and we also got to see the Nompen Bible School and we got to do things like that. But generally, it was just going to churches that Timothy had planted and going and seeing our family and connecting with them and praying with them. So that was sort of what we did. Awesome. And how did that impact you personally? What did God show you? 
you know, most of the trips I had been on before this, we would go to a church and we'd put on a VBS or we would put on a skit or we would do a worship service and that's great. And I sort of went into this trip with that expectation that we would end up going to these churches and doing something like that. But we didn't do anything like that. We would go there and we would pray. And I gotta be honest, the first day and a half, I was feeling really directionless and I was feeling like what we were doing wasn't important and that it wasn't powerful And man, was God faithful to totally change my attitude on that. Because is there really anything more powerful than coming together and praying? And that's that's one of the things I learned on that trip. We got to come together as a family of believers, whether we were there or whether we are from the United States or whether we are from anywhere. We got to come together as a family of the church and we got to pray to our Heavenly Father. And it was really cool because we got to see these, these churches taking steps of faith, right? So we had, there was, uh, Christine mentioned there's a church that only an eighth of it's built because they took that step and they're trusting that God's going to provide the rest of the money for that. Or there were people that would just gather, and they didn't know if they were going to be able to gather there again. They didn't know if they were going to be able to have a building, but they were taking that step and trusting that God would provide the rest. And if anything, that's what I learned, is that I need to start putting my faith in prayer, and I need to start believing the power of prayer, because that's all they had. That's all they did, is they would come together, and they would pray, and they'd put all of their faith in that prayer. And it was really powerful just to do that with our family, our global family. That's great. You know, one of the things that I know we hear is you went with expectation. So sometimes we go with our plan. And when we surrender it and pray, God, what do you want? After a couple of days, you start to see it unfold. And, you know, as I heard from Josh, as I heard from Ethan and some Madison and some others that were on the team, um, I heard the value of them going to these little village churches, speaking to the leadership, listening to their story and praying for them. And these little churches were so encouraged that people would come from the United States all the way out on this boat to see them and hear them and pray for them. That was way better for them than rounding up the community of the kids and doing a skit at this point in time. That was God's plan. And the thing that I thought I heard is as they shared, I just felt like the Lord impressing on me. It was like Paul's first missionary journey. Like they, their job truly was to go and visit the churches and pray for the leaderships and encourage them, which they very greatly did. In talking to Timothy, he just said he couldn't believe the amount of encouragement that it brought each of those leadership teams and how they just couldn't they just were so beside themselves that we would come. So thank you. Olive, Olive went with our middle school mission team. Where did you go and what did you do? Uh, We went to San Francisco and while we were there, we served with, we served by giving people food and we, We uh, played with kids for part of it. And, you know, so they went to the Tenderloin District in San Francisco, right? Um, I don't know if many of you are familiar with that, but it's quite a different area than even we have here in our downtown area. There's a lot of struggle, a lot of drugs, a lot of crime, a lot of prostitution, and they were right in the thick of it. 
and that's where they stayed with City Impact. And they, did you go and talk to people and pray with people? Uh, yeah, we, part of it, we went to do street outreach and we got into groups and went up to people and handed them chips and prayed with them. Okay, and now for Olive, what did God show you about yourself? What did he do in you? Uh, he taught me to trust in him more and to be more confident by uh, talking to people I probably wouldn't want to talk to and be, like, really nervous about it. And so what I know I heard is we discovered there's a lion inside of Olive. I know you guys are, are hard, hard to picture that right now, but God brought that out. And so as she said, she would talk to people, pray with people she normally wouldn't talk to. That might be all of us as well. <laughs> but, but knowing what God did in Olive's life there has changed her. How has that changed you? Like, how is that like as your home? And what is it that you think about that you, God might want you to do here differently? Um. Okay, so I know what you, she shared with me is being able to just talk to people and share with people and having the courage that he's given her. Thank you for having the courage for being here. Great job. And then Hudson was on our team that went to Tijuana, Mexico. Um, and can you share what we did on that team? Yeah, so uh, we went to Tijuana. We stayed inner city for most of the week, but we occasionally went out of city. We went to multiple different feeding kitchens throughout the week. We also went to the Tijuana dump, uh, the canal, and a hospital. Uh, we got to see lots of different uh, situations, people in terrible living conditions, orphans. It was, there were a lot of heartbreaking situations, but we were able to go put on services. We did worship. We prayed for people. We did skits. And what I believe was most important, we told our testimonies. We were able to share stories from our lives and challenges that we faced. And after each service, we'd ask people if they wanted prayer. And at almost every place we went, most people raised their hand for prayer. We saw multiple people give their life to Jesus, and it was, it was a great trip. Yeah, thank you, Hudson. And what was it that God showed you personally? What did he do in your life? So the biggest impact for me was uh, he showed me what can happen when you just say yes. Uh, an example of this, when we went to the uh, Tijuana dump, uh, we went out, did our usual thing. We were going to gather up people and start a church service when all of a sudden these cops and the, uh, these cops come flying down the hill, clearly chasing someone important. Um, and next thing we know, 10 minutes later, we're surrounded by police and National Guard. You can see their machine guns, their, their AKs in their hands. It, it was a really scary situation. Uh, and someone just threw out the idea, hey, why don't we just go ahead with the service uh, and do what we normally do with the 10 people in here. And everyone on our team said yes, and we had a great experience. I've truly, I've, I've never felt God work more uh, in me and through other people than in that situation. And by the end of our service, we got to pray for most of the 15 people in there. Uh, and the five kids, we set up a pinata, we sang songs. It was, a, it was a great example, and it just showed me how when we say yes, 
even in the worst situations, uh, God can still make something big of it. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I was on that trip, and we did bring them all back. I know you heard mention guns and things. They're all here. Um, I, I want to just elaborate on that story a little bit because the whole hillside over this dump had National Guard, all kinds of people coming in, and we just told the students, go in there and just start leading your worship. And we prayed, and the guy that was leading that little church said, we should just do it. So we said, okay. And I just have to tell you, when I walked in there, there was maybe 15 people sitting in the seating. And church is a loose term, meaning these rebar half-dome things with a tarp over it, open end on both ends, and a cement slab. That was the church. And helicopters flying so low that you could throw a rock at it. Um, when I walked in there and I saw our team worshiping God, just complete abandon, could hardly hear their singing over the helicopters, so powerful. Um, I honestly thought of when Paul and Silas were in the prison and through doing the skits and sharing, and again, like Hudson said, um, at pretty much everyone in there, there were four adults that came to Christ and there were at least eight children that came to Christ of the 20 people that were inside the building. Chains fell, just like in the prison. And also that day in our team um, was a big movement of the Holy Spirit in our team, and um, he really did a lot of work where chains fell with them as well. So I love that you said when we say yes, God works. And it may not be what we expect, but he works. And it's his job to bring people to him. Thank you, Hudson. Okay, Anna, she have you recovered from your trip yet? Because she's our, our closest to returning trip, coming back from Peru. Yeah, we got back from Peru about a week and a half ago. Um, there was about 15 of us, juniors and seniors in high school, that went to Peru, and we were in the Amazon forest, um, right around the Amazon jungle there, and we were able to go into multiple different villages. We moved around quite a bit, and um, just we would go in, and similar to what Hudson did in Mexico, we would sing some Spanish songs and share a skit and some testimonies and just stories. But I think if you asked anyone on our team, the highlight was always um, the time before or after where we got to just interact with the people and build relationships and um, play, just play with kids. And just really seeing the heart of the Peruvian people was such a blessing. And um, yeah, that's what we kind of did. So she said they went to the Amazon. Sounds pretty exciting and glorious, right? I heard the conditions of their <laughs> sleeping arrangements were in, you know, hammocks and... A little interesting. <laughs> mosquito nets and not as glorious as you might think. Um, but it sounded like it was an awesome trip. What did God show you personally on that trip? Yeah, we were um, able to go to a different church service just about every day. Um, in Peru, they have church. They meet for church every night, which at first I was like, that's like a lot, like every single night. Um, but it was just really cool to be able to see um, our church family that is so far away from everything that we know here and um, just see how the Holy Spirit is working really powerfully there. And, you know, the whole service was in another language. We got a little bit of translation here or there, but really the Holy Spirit is, is the translator. And um, we also just got to see 
um, how the Peruvian people really live out the truth of the church is not a building and um, it's a, a community of believers and church after church that we went to, um, place after place, we just really got to see the way that they worship the Lord with such passion and how church is so much more of just a gathering of the community to, to worship and to share how God is working in their community rather than um, just something that they go to every night. And it was just such a blessing and a privilege to be able to, to come alongside of the leaders there that we worked with and um, just serve the Peruvian people. But really, I think we got out, more out of it than they did. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always the case. We get so much more. And I love that you said every day is church, and that's a lot. I mean, that's our perspective, right? And the unity of the spirit transcends trans, you know, languages, countries. Um, such a neat experience that you got to have with our global family. And I think that all of us have, and having our global staff here, recognizing we are just one little part of this huge family and getting to experience that and see their heart for worship and their heart to connect with the Holy Spirit and be led. I'm glad that um, that comes back with us. That's the cool thing, too, is these experiences, they don't happen there and stay there. They come back with us. And that's part of the transformation that happens. Thank you for sharing. Okay, so Madison went on a trip. It's been a minute. It's been a little bit. She's going to share about that. But there was a team of us, a small team of us, that went to Rancho Santa Marta. Madison, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, this trip was a little bit different because it was a group of us that um, all individually felt that we were called to missions. Um, so Rancho Santa Marta was so kind to let us come and um, kind of be with them in the way that they run the ranch. Um, some of us got to be part of the agricultural side, um, learning about sustainable agriculture and um, how they do things in the ranch. And then some of us got to be, including Anna, got to be um, in the classrooms. Um, some of us studied with the children with special needs. Some of us just went with um, the mainstream classes and I got to go into the English teaching classes. Um, it was beautiful. Um, we all were really excited to go, but I mean, having a call to mission is super exciting, but at the same time, really, really confusing and really unsure. And so being able to go and get our feet wet and also just come together as a team to pray over one another. I mean, one of the nights we prayed with each other for three hours, just talking about the things we're worried about, the things we're scared about. Um, but the Holy Spirit was so clear to each and every one of us what our next step was, or at least what this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. It was beautiful. It was a really beautiful trip. Yes, it was. Um, so can I ask you, as you said, we had that time to really seek what God was showing each of us. What was it that God showed you personally? Yeah, um, I'm really thankful. I feel like I've had a call to mission since I was a sophomore in high school, and it was really vague then. Um, but I feel like he highlighted on this trip that while I'm here going to stand state for two years, um, I'm an English major with a concentration in TESOL. Um, my main missions here in Modesto and Turlock are, uh, one, my small group of girls that I have here, uh, two, my family, and three, uh, stand state. I'm going to be there a lot. Um, but then after that, I feel like God's calling me to go back to Rancho Santa Marta and become an English teacher as a missionary, which I am so excited for. So thankful he was clear on that. Thank you, Madison. And I, can I just tell you, it was almost hard to get her to get in the car to leave 
because she was being told she didn't need a college degree to teach English in Mexico. So all she needed was her high school diploma, and she's like, I'm in. And I'm like, uh, I kind of feel like I'm supposed to take you back with me. Um, so I was really glad that the Lord showed her that at the end. And I'm also is really glad because she is now my partner in rescue ministry here, working as our ministry, my ministry assistant for the next two years, hopefully. And um, it's just great. But those of you that know Madison know her heart for people, her heart for prayer. And I just can't wait to see what God has for you at Rancho Santa Marta. It'll be close enough. We'll come visit and we'll bring teams and you can get more to join you. But thank you so much. You know, as I look at this team and, you know, again, talking about these short-term trips, God moves in these trips. If you know students that went on any of these teams, um, I would say ask them questions. What did God show them? Because they all experienced God in a different way. And what he did in their lives comes back with them. When I looked at this team, it was really interesting because I think about the scripture, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God brought the harvest. And the interesting thing is, you know, we hear about Cambodia. They went and they encouraged the churches. That was what God's role had for them. Olive's team, they learned to listen, to obey, to pray, and just sometimes do the hard stuff. That's also something that God calls us to do. On the Mexico team, I'm telling you, this was my third year with Point Today Amistad. I have never seen that many people respond to Jesus. Everywhere we went, people were responding. And I'm telling you, it's because God was bringing the harvest. Those seeds were planted long before we got there, and God was bringing harvest. And Anna, they learned, you know, they learned to persevere in some harder situations, but they also saw a glimpse of how beautiful it is when you are united in the Holy Spirit, and even though there's a language barrier, you can see the beauty of God's family and the faith that they have, and that can kind of like rub off on you and show you a different way that people can live and how we can all live walking with Jesus, no matter what our circumstances are. And Madison is, you know, this, this trip was unique and it was also part of what happens when we follow God. He prompts us, he will tell us, this is your next step. He gives us enough, enough light for our next step to take. He's not gonna show us, who knows what Stan State holds. I know um, she's already been praying for classmates God's going to use her. God's going to use us all while we're here, while he leads us to next steps. The rest of that scripture says, uh, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. This is all about God. But only God who gives the growth, who brings the harvest. So glory to God, because no matter what part of the process God has us in, whether we are planting seeds for 10 years Whatever part of the process is part of what he is doing to bring people to Christ. So thank you for sharing, team. Make sure you ask them and anybody else on these teams what God did. Um, they will tell you. Thank you. I wasn't supposed to come up here, but over the last couple of weeks, God has been giving me something that uh, I wasn't sure where it fit. You can sit down if you want. You can stay standing and you can kneel, whatever. But as I was experiencing this morning with all of you, felt the Holy Spirit saying, this is where I want this. 
The Pharisees in Luke 14 asked Jesus a question. In Luke 17, they said, when would the kingdom of God come? And Jesus responded to them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. And then Jesus goes on and he says something. He says a number of things, but the thing that really sticks out and I think God wants us to hear this morning is this. Jesus makes this statement. He says, the day of the Lord will be like it was in the day of days of Lot. And when we think of Lot and, and where he lived in Sodom, it's so easy for us to comfortably indict the people who lived in Sodom for the sexual immorality and the, maybe the sins that we feel like are further from us. But listen to how Jesus indicts the city of Sodom. He says, it'll be like it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, and building. But on that day, Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. And then later he says, remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it. And whoever loses his life will save it. Church, know this, that the great sin of Sodom was that people were eating and drinking and buying and selling and building apart from being surrendered to the God of the universe. How often does it characterize us that we go eating and drinking and buying and selling and building on our own and we don't think of what God wants. As I was listening to Brian, Brian was eating and drinking and buying and selling and building. But then he came to a crossroads where Jesus said, I want you to eat and drink and buy and sell and build for me. And while that call in Brian's life moved him to work with the Muslim world on this planet, that call is the same to every one of us. We cannot be caught eating and drinking and buying and selling and building on our own, not considering what God wants us to do in the midst of all that. So this morning, I think it would be a great loss if we didn't face that. God is doing a work in the young generation right now. If you have your ear to the ground in the church of Jesus Christ, you'll hear that God is doing a work. You've seen it up here. You've seen our global staff 
And then you've seen a younger generation saying God is stirring them. Will we hear the call that Jesus is giving us? So wherever you are, wherever you're eating and drinking, wherever you're buying and selling, wherever you're building, are you doing those things for Jesus in his name? And are you leveraging all those things for his kingdom? Because his kingdom is here and it is in us. So the first thing I want to ask is this. Are you here this morning and God is saying, I want you to go. I want you to go. I want you to do more than, than eating and, and drinking and buying and selling here, but I want you to go and, and I'll, I'll, maybe he's told you where he wants you to go. Maybe there's a vague notion, but you know you need to go. I wanna ask you to stand because we wanna pray for you right now. If you believe that God has laid a call on your life to go, to take the message of Jesus to the nations, then I want you to stand right now. God has gathered his church to empower these people to obey his calling. This morning, maybe if you see and you know the people who are standing, maybe because we've got some time this morning, you need to go up to them and ask them how you can be a part of what God's doing in their lives. You heard the testimony today from Josh that there's a group of people who are building a building that's not a church, but it's where the church gets to gather in Cambodia. Maybe God's placed it on your heart because while $4,000 might feel like a lot for someone up the river in Cambodia, it might not be very much to finish a building for one or two people here in this room. And here's what I wanna end with. Jesus said the same thing of the people in Noah's day, that they were eating and drinking and buying and selling. I don't want to get caught eating and drinking and buying and selling apart from Christ when Jesus comes back. Do you? And so my challenge to you this morning and my ask is are we going to let go of all the things that we think are important and where we are, whether we're among those standing called to the nations or we're sitting saying, I know God wants me to build his kingdom where I am. Will you commit to doing that today? I think Brian has something to say. I have to tack something else on here. 
Because God's doing something special here. I want you, I want the global outreach team to stand up, please. Look at us. We're old. <laughs> We've been serving 20, 30, 40, 50 years more than. But God's calling more of you, younger ones, to stand in the gap. Get behind them. Let's all stand. What if today is a, is a ripple that goes out from this place, from this room, and this ripple goes out and hits the entire world? Church, the enemy has been very successful at distracting us with a lot of things lately, a lot of petty things that don't mean anything in the scope of eternity. He's been distracting us with our pride, with our fears, with our insecurities. It's time that we let him know that we won't be caught eating and drinking, buying and selling and building when the Lord returns and all of that is not done for his glory and his name. So this morning we have an opportunity to visit with one another and encourage one another. There's two things that we've been talking about over the last year. That is intimacy with Jesus and faithfulness in doing what he says. Don't leave this room, don't leave this place without obeying what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do next. So I want to pray for us. And then I've got a couple things to communicate. But I want you to know that tonight at six o'clock, there is a barbecue, there's a meal, and a time to gather with our global family. And then after that, there will be stories from what God is doing that can't be shared in front of a camera. And those are stories of sacrifice and suffering and incredible glory because Jesus is in those things. So let me pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And God, you are, you've put your people on notice. God, I thank you for the, the faithfulness that is represented in this room from our global staff, but also of the saints who are here who have lived their lives leveraging what they have and who they are for your kingdom. God, I pray that you would help us to follow through with that which the Holy Spirit places on our hearts this morning. Some of us may be radically changing the directions of what we thought our life would look like. 
for others as confirmation for what we believe you were calling us to. And for all of us, God, I pray that you would help us to eat, drink, buy, sell, build in the name of Jesus, surrendered humbly to him and his way and his will, blocking out all the voices that vie for our attention. God, tear down our kingdoms and build your kingdom in us. And so, Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.